So welcome to Family Office Connections. I'm your host, Edward Marshall, Managing Director at Boston Private. Today, we have a special podcast dedicated to the policy issues around election 2020. Our guests today have extensive backgrounds in political affairs and will share with us their deep insights on critical policy issues on stage with our upcoming election. Our discussion today will be a brief primer and overview as we head towards election day this year. We'll discuss the presidential election, we'll go over the debates, and we'll also discuss a a key Senate race and how that race may affect the timing of some of the election results uh, therein. So joining me as, as well today is my colleague Jason Kane and Gerald Baker from our Center for Wealth Planning. Thanks, Gerald and, and Jason. So let me get underway with some a brief introduction. So Eric Tenenblatt uh, is the global chair of public policy and regulation for Dentons, the world's largest law firm. Eric has served in uh, three administrations of U.S. presidents. He's also a senior advisor uh, to a U.S. Senator and a Governor, and he's held a U.S. Senate confirmable post governing a federal agency. Uh, mayor Michael Nutter is a renowned public policy expert and former mayor of Philadelphia. Before he served as mayor, he spent almost 15 years in the Philadelphia City Council. Today, Mayor Nutter works with local governments on achieving their economic development, financing, and infrastructure goals. Ron Kaufman, Our third guest is a highly experienced political strategist who has served as a senior advisor to U.S. presidents, governors, members of Congress, and a whole host of elected and appointed officials at every level of government. Ron has also served in high-level capacities with the uh, Republican National Committee, and today he focuses on providing government affairs uh, services to public and private sector clients nationwide. So, uh, well, well, certainly none of us have a ready access to a crystal ball. We'll hope that today's discussion uh, will arm everyone and all of our listeners with some deeper insights into the policy positions and implications of the upcoming elections. Eric, I will turn it over to you. Well, thank, thank you, Ed, and, and, and thank you uh, to uh, Boston Private for giving us this uh, opportunity to share our pearls of wisdom uh, as to what is happening in our country right now as we are weeks away uh, from uh, a big election. So uh, what I'd I'd love to do to just kick us off, and I'll start with you, Ron, is is perhaps sort of, why don't we sort of set the stage and let each of you take, um, you know, a couple minutes and give your reflections on, you know, where you think the election stands right now uh, both from a presidential standpoint, but also across across the country. Sure. Thanks, Eric, and thanks Ed, for having us on the show today, the podcast uh, today. Um, the, uh, the st- where we are right now, presidentially, is um, a, a different place than we've had in a long time. Um, if you look at what matters to pollsters and how they measure where things are going, the question they follow the most is right track, wrong track. And if the wrong track is above 50, then the incumbent's in trouble, whether that be the president or a governor or a senator. And right now, the right track, wrong track is like 65, 35, or 70, 30, um, uh, depending on the poll. And I always like to say, you know, right now, the climate of the country, uh, we're in a pandemic, uh, which is sweeping the country. Um, we are in a place where we're a tailspin economically. Uh, and we've had social unrest in the streets now since March. 
I want to know who those 35% of the people are who are going on the right track because we'll get those names and get them to Boston and have a good client list. <laughs> um, it's not surprising then that the president's numbers are underwater. Uh, candidly, he's never been a particularly popular president, uh, according to the polls. And not surprising because he was elected to go to Washington and be a disruptor. And disruptors by nature disrupt. And not just the Congress and not just Washington, but also the media. So he, he, the, the focus of his presidency has been doing change that he believes has to come to this nation. It's why he won. So all that has come to bear. And given the climate, it's not surprising that right now, I sure would rather have uh, that if I'm a poker player, the, the cards that the Democrats hold over the Republicans. But we're a long way from that. This game could change overnight. And uh, while we have a good movement out there and have for a long time, and we've invested a lot longer in ground game than the Democrats have, we quite frankly learned from Barack Obama how best to do uh, a ground game and a data game and a technology game. And we've been doing it for three years now. They have momentum. And no question about that, ever since the, second, the first debate, clearly they've had some momentum. So the game now is, can the Republicans, can the president do something to change that momentum? If we can, if he does, then I think this, this be a coin toss. And it won't be election day, it'll be election week or longer. Same is true for control of the House, in the Senate, excuse me, in the Senate, I think, where there are a bunch of Republican seats at play and only a couple of Democratic seats at play. And uh, I think the climate is going to dictate that. My guess is, as the White House goes, probably so goes the Senate. But the, the wild card in all this is, as you know, Eric, since you're from that great state of Georgia, there are two Senate seats up uh, in November 3rd, and they both have runoffs if no one gets to 50. All the polls indicate that neither side will get to 50 by election, uh, election day. Therefore, the Senate probably won't be decided in, into the runoff, which will be, I believe, on the 5th of January. So it's going to be a long day, a long week, or a long couple of months, depending how you look at it. Thank you. Mayor Nutter, your thoughts? Sure, Eric, thank you. And uh, Ed, thanks for the, uh, for the introduction and certainly the invitation. Uh, Ron, uh, always love uh, being, uh, being with you and talking about uh, the serious issues. You know, I think uh, as we, you know, we're, we're 18 days or so uh, away with, you know, I mean, now uh, I would uh, characterize it, we're in the red zone. Um, I think what we're seeing in terms of Donald Trump is the campaign is uh, all over the place. Uh, I do agree. Uh, there is a sense of momentum. Uh, it is not overconfidence. It's not even confidence. It's just, you know, things uh, seem to be moving along, you know, fairly well. It's a, uh, it, I do find it interesting. Um, you know, Vice President Biden, uh, you know, for months, literally, uh, if not figuratively, kind of stuck in the basement. Uh, and now, you know, uh, in, 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 this, uh, in this red zone period here, I mean, he is everywhere. And uh, and campaigning hard and, and looking good, sounding good, 
you know, kind of doing his thing. But, you know, when we look at places like Pennsylvania uh, and so many, many others, uh, there's nothing to be taken for granted uh, in any of this. Uh, and uh, as, as Ron pointed out, maybe we find out, you know, within a day or so, hopefully of the election, uh, the presidency, uh, but uh, still, if, uh, you know, full control uh, of the Senate uh, is still up in the air, uh, if there are, you know, uh, lingering uh, aspects from uh, Donald Trump about, you know, the integrity of the election and the quality of the election, you know, we should expect, I think, that Americans will have some kind of reaction. Uh, and um, on Democrat, Republican side, no matter where you are, um, I mean, this is an inflection point, I think, in the history of the country. Uh, and certainly, as so for many of us, you know, anything that happens, our, our, our near touch point is uh, a, uh, we talk about 1968. Uh, to some extent, I, I think uh, today's generation, uh, for 50, 100 years from now, they're going to be talking about 2020. Um, COVID-19, fiscal distress, civil unrest, a most contentious presidential election uh, in, you know, hundreds of years possibly. Uh, and what does it all mean? Where are we going? What are we doing? Uh, and uh, so the stakes could not be higher. Uh, and, um, you know, tons of folks have already uh, voted in the places where you can early vote or vote by mail or whatever the case may be at extraordinary uh, numbers. Uh, and so, you know, I've often said, you know, the electorate uh, often is paying a whole lot more attention uh, to what's going on than the, than the politicians, than the electeds uh, think. I think the public gets it uh, on this election, uh, and uh, I, I, I can't wait for a lot of reasons <laughs> until Election Day uh, to see uh, just um, just what's going to happen here. It, it's uh, close with this. It is reminiscent, uh, and everybody knows this uh, this this uh, kind of moment. Uh, when I think it was Ben Franklin in Philadelphia, you know, came out after uh, the, the work was done and the lady said, well, what, you know, Mr. Franklin, what do we have? And he said, a republic, if we can keep it. Uh, and, I, and I think we're literally a couple hundred years later, uh, we're still having that discussion. So let, let me ask you both to comment on uh, the debates. So, you know, we, we had the first presidential debate, which was very spirited. We then had the vice presidential debate. We were supposed to have a town hall debate this week, uh, but because of the president uh, having COVID, that then shifted, uh, got canceled, and then each of the campaigns set up their own town halls, one on ABC, one on NBC, um, and then next week is the, is the final debate. So uh, how did you, any reaction to the recent town halls that uh, the two candidates had, and then what do you anticipate uh, for the upcoming debate, the final debate, uh, next week. And uh, why don't we start with you, Ron? Um, well, the, the first debate, I will go along with you, Eric, it was um, spirited, to say the least. <laughs> uh, I think both sides uh, uh, had their say and a little more on each question. Um, and what matters in the debate it's the one event that the two campaigns can have some real movement on, if it works. And it'd be a, uh, not right to say, acknowledge the fact that after the debate, there was movement um, in Biden's direction. Well, not significant, but we had gotten a little bumps out of the convention 
and we started to, to make a little bit of move. And I think that the, the first debate, candidly, uh, slowed that, uh, that movement, if not stopped it a little bit. I thought the vice president debate was actually different and interesting. And I think that both candidates did well. I thought um, that any momentum that came out of the first debate was kind of slowed down by the second debate. Um, we have one more, and that I think that last debate, there's not many things now that can change the picture and the color of the election. I think that last debate's gonna be very, very important. Mayor Nutter? I thought the second one, um, you know, uh, each uh, candidate, uh, if you will, uh, Vice President Pence, uh, Senator Harris, uh, I think did what they needed to do uh, for their candidate. A town hall situation, interestingly enough, um, you know, is certainly a much better format uh, for uh, uh, Vice President Biden. You know, uh, he could actually talk, <laughs> you know, in that one, uh, talk to real people, real citizens who have issues, uh, give lengthier answers, which he is prone uh, to uh, to do. And then, uh, you know, the one other thing is apparently he was still in uh, the National Constitution Center in that uh, in that hall for two hours uh, after uh, the, the, uh, the, the formal uh, town hall took place because that is his environment. That is his way of engaging. And so this third one, um, you know, God bless the presidential uh, commission uh, on debates. Uh, I can't even imagine what kind of rules they're going to try to come up with so that each candidate can hear the other candidate. Uh, and uh, Kristen Welker, uh, who is a Philadelphia uh, young lady, uh, I'm really wishing her the best. Uh, in trying to handle uh, this, uh, the, the, these two who really do like the tango uh, with each other. But uh, it's, even the debates have been fascinating in a 2020 context. You know, interesting, I don't know if, if you all heard this, but there were the um, uh, ratings came out. It, it, it appears as though there were 12 million plus people that watched the Biden town hall last night and 10, mil, 10 plus million that watched, watched the Trump um, uh, town hall. Don't know if that means anything. Ron, you touched on the U.S. Senate and said, so goes the White House, so goes the, the, the U.S. Senate. I'd like to just ask both of you, just real briefly, what your thoughts are. Do you think that there are people out there that uh, are in favor of divided government? And you may have people that may split their vote in terms of who they vote for for the White House and who they vote for in one of these battleground Senate races. Any thoughts on that, Ron? I think it is an issue that's gonna decide uh, Senate races. It's not gonna be a factor, in my opinion. Now, with a caveat, if I could, if this comes down to uh, control of the Senate being decided on January 5th in, Atlanta, in Georgia, then every citizen in Georgia will understand that question. Yeah. Because there's good, if they're spending $80 million, $80 million on TV in Maine, they'll be spending $100 million on those tea seats and TV in Atlanta. So I think that point would be driven home dramatically if that happens, uh, Eric. Mayor Nutter? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I'm wondering if I might have a year or two off here, but, you know, the Republicans took over the Senate in... In, um, the, in the, uh, the, we took over in the 80 elections when uh, we picked up 12 seats 
and then we took over again six years ago, I believe. Under the Obama administration, right. So, you know, some amount of division there, then we get a new president, then the Dems take over the House. I mean, I, you know, I, I think there might be some group of people, at least for a moment, who say, I'm not sure that this divided thing really works. Now, you know, if you have all three, you know, I believe you have an additional responsibility of being responsible and being accountable and that you don't necessarily just try to, you know, run roughshod all over the place. That just gets you into a back and forth of a never ending sense of retribution. Civility or lack thereof, the philosophy, the lack thereof, uh, the seeming inability of members of Congress to even, you know, virtually almost agree on the time of day, uh, I think is starting to wear on the American public. Division uh, has, has led to, to the ultimate in gridlock uh, and the inability to, to, for people to do their job. Let, let's touch a little bit on taxes mm-hmm. and, you know, what happens from a tax per, uh, perspective uh, if uh, Vice President Biden wins uh, the presidential election. Um, and what is the second term of a Trump presidency uh, as it relates to uh, tax policy? I mean, President Trump had his tax cuts early on in uh, his first term, but what do you anticipate uh, is on the horizon in terms of taxes and economic policy? Ron? The president said his first thing to do when he gets reelected was cut taxes again. Mayor Nutter, I want your response, but also could you, with regards to Vice President Biden, Mm -hmm. why you said that he would raise taxes for 400,000 and up, uh, doesn't he also propose to increase corporate taxes, which were cut in the um, Trump tax cuts? Yes, Um, but I I think that the the whole context here is, Presidents, governors, mayors can propose whatever they want, uh, and they put their ideas out there, and, and it's all you know fascinating. Um, at the end of the day, um, they actually don't raise or cut taxes uh, directly. Uh, that is a legislative uh, responsibility, and as we talked about earlier, we don't even know. Uh, I think the House is not in play. The Senate clearly is in play. We have no idea who's actually going to control the Senate. Um, and won't know uh, probably even after we know who the next president uh, will be. And so a lot of this is quite honestly uh, speculation. Well, one, one, I, I do want to highlight something that, that you said, which I think is really important, is that the Congress would have to pass uh, tax reform and the president can make a proposal. And obviously, even if the Senate uh, flips, uh, the majority of whoever is in power is not going to be um, that's significant. It, now, they, uh, I suppose they could change the fil- filibuster rule, but I think that, you know, you're going to see negotiations. And if you look back to the Trump tax cuts, um, I think the, the Bush tax cuts, they don't happen overnight. It's typically sort of in the springtime as, as, as early as I remember. And so there, there would be uh, negotiation. But I suppose you, you have to look at what uh, President Trump did mm-hmm. and see what of those things uh, a Biden, a President Biden would do to try and uh, reverse or at least modify. Well, Eric, I, 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 to your point, I think the one thing we know is whatever proposal, whatever the proposal is going in, uh, more oftentimes than not, it looks a little different 
on on the way out. So you know, uh, I think that's a t- TBD, as they, as they might say. Eddie, we'll turn it back over to you. Sure. Well, listen. Uh, thank you, Eric, uh, Michael, and Ron. I mean, a fascinating conversation and some and some great insights in there. If you'd like to get in touch uh, with our guests or if you have any questions, do send us an email to familyoffice at bostonprivate.com. Uh, I'd also recommend that you check out our website. You can find numerous resources, download the results of our latest family office uh, survey, sign up for this newsletter and get this podcast and much, much more directly in your inbox. Uh, that website is bostonprivate.com forward slash family office. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. And thanks again to our panel uh, for joining us today. And, And that's it. Check back for a new podcast next week. Bye, everyone. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.